This is the Drunken Trail Podcast with your hosts, Nick Morose and Ethan Zook. Welcome to the Drunken Trail, everybody. We have a special guest yet again. I'm your host, Nick Rose. With my co-host is Ethan Zook. Evening. Evening. Uh, I just realized I never even looked up the um, what episode we're on. I think it's 20-something. Is it? It could be 30 for all I know. But uh, yeah, we're up there. But we're with our special guest, Mr. Austin Spicer. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, we're obviously going to want you to promote your stuff. We want people to know about it, all 12 of our uh, fans. And <laughs> so, But they're, they're international. They're international. We have one dedicated listener in uh, Paris, and no joke, every single episode, he pops up on the little thing where it's like, hey, listen to it. Awesome, man. So uh, hi to you out there, he or she that's listening. I don't want to be, you know, stereotyping, but we're going to go into uh, some of what Austin has been doing. Um, he's uh, uh, worked with our previous guest, Dennis Mallon. So that kind of is how we got him to go on board. So we appreciate you coming out and uh, doing this with us and, and talking about uh, some booze and COVID and uh, <laughs> and the uh, future of movie distributions, which we'll be going over in the episode today. Yeah, appreciate you having me. And uh, so, you know, obviously you talked to Dennis Mallon. And I'm sure he talked a lot about Killer Miller because it's just such an awesome time Um, that, you know, that was just a short film that's based on a book um, written by RJ Hendricks. He brought me on as director and, um, you know, we just knocked it out. You know, it was a two day shoot. Uh, It was we're shooting probably. I think we did eight pages or something in two days and it was a very tight shoot, but it was a good time for sure. So I was that actually answers a question for me. I was going to ask you where you got the idea for Killer Miller. So now I'm going to ask you how was it how was it directing sort of the the brainchild of an author who was there sort of with you? It was really cool cuz RJ we talked a lot about his vision cuz the book um Killer Miller is actually about Killer Miller's life before he died. Uh, spoiler alert sorry but um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and so while we we're on set uh he was really good about you know you, we would do a take and then maybe you know he wanted to try it a different way or you know either i or him weren't happy so there's communication between us which was really well so it, it wasn't too confusing hopefully for dennis and some of the other actors um yeah so it was just a great process so, so is it like a, I, I have to ask, cause if, if I were, if I were directing somebody else's book, okay, I yeah. would, that would get in my head. Like that would, yeah. that would kind of live there rent free for me. I have to oh, say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, there's no, it's, I think it has to be the right fit uh, first before you come on board. Like, obviously if it wasn't something I was interested in or, our visions didn't align. I don't know if I would have done it, but you know, with lots of communication before we even started pre-production and stuff, uh, I think it was like a good fit. And also RJ, the writer is a great friend. So it was like, it wasn't like a stranger, complete stranger, you know, working with in the beginning. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, before we go any further with asking questions, I was about to ask the next one. I was like, uh, yeah. wait, we got to talk about what we're drinking before we, yeah. we move you know, on to that. If we're in a roll, feel free to you know make this the oddball episode. We can talk about what we're drinking in a little bit if you want to. Uh, all right. All right. Um, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that after the q and I'm, I'm sowing chaos. <laughs> They just jumped right in. Well, the yes, funny I thing did. is, it's like you always you know, like you get on my case, like, hey, you forgot the 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 you know what you're drinking. I'm like, oh yeah, yes, I so do, and is- I have chosen chaos tonight. I, so you have. We're just gonna roll with you it. You have. All right. So this is my question for a guy. Um, it, it, now, for me, just being a director or just being 
a cinematographer, just being a writer is tough. Uh, I always kind of like to dabble in a little bit of everything except for maybe purely light or purely audio. Cause it's like, well, no, it's just too isolated for me, uh, for, for when I've done projects. Now, have you, it sounds like you haven't just directed when I spoke to you before, like you've dabbled in photography and videography and, and, uh, how far branching does your talents go? Um, I wouldn't say I'm talented in every, you know, <laughs> section, but I've definitely, you know, especially, I think everybody that wants to be a filmmaker, when you first start, you have to do all of them in the beginning. Cause nobody, nobody wants to help you when you're starting out. So, you, you know, when you make your first film, you have to, you know, at least you don't have to know how to do it, but you have to shoot, you have to write usually, unless you are friends with the writer, you have to direct, you have to light sound you're playing all the hats in the beginning unless you you know you have some friends and stuff that can help you out so really i started doing all of them by by myself helping getting my friends that weren't even in the film to act in my film and i tell them like all right you need to act scared or whatever like you know very basic and it's slowly evolved which is so cool to now i can focus on just directing mainly um, but obviously, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, you know, I have a video production company with my wife, Spicer Productions. So we, we both, you know, handle all elements of production, which is great because when we're not doing films and we're doing our commercial work or whatever it is, we're practicing in all the fields of production. You know, we have to do our own lighting, you know, editing, storyboarding, all of that. So it helps keep our skills sharp, but yeah, I mean, I like to focus on directing. You know, that's my passion. My my wife does cinematography, but I, I like to say I'm a camera nerd. I'm always on set. I love, you know, oh, what lens are we using? What was the shot look like and stuff like that? So it, it helps. So I feel like I feel like you've probably already realized that Nick is also a camera nerd. Yeah, yep, yeah, uh huh. I was around. like, me too. <laughs> like the same thing. Yeah, it bites. Exactly. It bites you. It really does. Oh, yeah. You know. You get that little bug, and all of a sudden, you you know, I, you you probably have been on YouTube, see some of those guys that are out there. They're the same camera nerds, and uh, yeah, I want to say, uh, what was it, potato something? Potato uh, jet. Yes, potato jet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, same thing where he's like, "Yeah, I bought this, and I used it for like a week just because I wanted to oh, see I what know. it would work like." I know. Yeah. It kills me. I'm like, I wish I had the money to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you're just sitting there like, and, and thank God for you know you. you Married too, and 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 in your case, your wife's really involved in everything else, and oh, my yeah. wife sees what I do, what I do, but she's kind of like, hey, you do your thing, that's not my thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that support there. If I didn't have that, oh, I'd feel like I was just like abusive with all the like, hey, I'm gonna buy this three hundred dollar lens. Hey, don't worry, I got it on eBay reused. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're thinking exactly. three hundred dollars for what? <laughs> yeah, that's an expensive hobby if if you're not making a career out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So this, how did you sort of get into this direction? Like this sounds like the kind of thing that started as a hobby and then sort of proceeded into something where you realized you could make money out of it. Yeah. So I think it was eighth grade or freshman year. I made a short film because I used to watch all these YouTube videos and skits and stuff. I'm like, let's make a short film. And I had a friend and, you know, we were writing the script and then we were like, this sucks. <laughs> we can't write. <laughs> so I knew somebody from high school that wrote uh, stories. I was like, hey, do you have any stories you want to turn into a, sh- a movie or a short film? So we did that. And the whole process was great. It was the best learning process I've ever had. And we made that one short film and I showed it to everybody I knew. And I know it was terrible, but I loved it. I was after that first film, I was like hooked on that process. And then I think it was sophomore year. Somebody saw I did a film or two. I think it was one of my teachers because I was telling them about it. And they're like, hey, I have a my kid's birthday event. I need film. Can we pay you $50 to film it and make a video? I'm like, heck yeah, I get paid to shoot video. So Obviously, I have my own camera at that point. And it's just just like my film career with, you know, learning 
how to make money with it. It's evolved from that birthday party to more events, to weddings, to small businesses and stuff. And you know, it's still growing to this day. Um, so yeah, just really so, cool. So just, you know, I, I heard, I came in at the tail end of you guys geeking out over cameras <laughs> and, uh, I know what Nick uses and I have an idea of what you used because I, uh, I kind of stalked your production company just now. And I saw some of the pictures of you guys working and stuff. So what does eighth grade you use to shoot your first little film? Well, if you want to go back before I even got my first official camera, it was a little Kodak point and shoot <laughs> and it, it didn't even shoot HD, but I shot so many videos on that thing, like skate videos. I'd actually piece them together. So I actually started with skate videos before I got into films and stuff. But my first official camera was the Panasonic GH3, um, which led to the GH4 because it had 4K and the <laughs> G7 as my B cam. So now I had a B cam um, and it's evolved to Sony, uh, bigger, better Sonys. And now I'm finally at Blackmagic, you know, after working with all these different brands. Who knew the just, Aussies, man? They, they just pulled it out with that technology. Oh, I know. Yeah. Just piecing it together a little bit by little bit, right? Yeah, that's all you can do. That's awesome, man. You know, it's funny. I just thought when you were talking about like when you first started out, I was thinking like, hey, what? When did I really, you know, catch that bug or whatever? When I started out, I'm like, oh wait, there's a story that I didn't even tell Ethan about, and it's yeah, (laughs) and it's actually uh, uh, kind of weird, and it has a okay. So let me just say, all right, so. What, for my experience, the, it was it was pretty much a little bit like yours, except it's, it was back in college. We had to do this thing. We had to film this project and, and kind of introduce business school as a certain thing. That mm-hmm. was fun. It was on VHS. at a, a edit on an iMac. So I had to put it in the VHS and then have it edit over in real time and then piece it back together. And then that's when iMac still had some sort of weird copyright that they would detect certain songs. But other songs, they wouldn't let you just use it. And I was trying to use uh, like Jay Z's, uh, I forget what song it was, but I was just using the instrumental and finally went through. That was the first thing. What got me into direction and editing, though, <laughs> and this is what's messed up. And my buddy was trying to make a porn company, and uh, <laughs> yeah, then I knew you're just like you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it because there's always there's always a catch. It's always you, man. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. So, I just learned. I, I, Austin, I've just learned that whenever he starts telling me a story, I need to make sure that there's nothing in my mouth. Like I can't have a, a mouthful of beer or anything like that because it's going to go. He's going to start out and it's going to be super vanilla. And then at some point, there's going to be this weird fucking curveball that just like goes off. Yeah. So so what happened was this this is like a true story. I was uh, I was editing it, whatever. And what it this was trashy. And uh, and I don't mean like, oh, they were doing like salacious things. It was just like, no, this was very poor production. Very poor. like, I don't even know what they use for a camera. They just uh-huh. gave me a disc and said, hey, can you edit this and make it look better? I'm like, I'll try. And okay. I remember it was like these two girls are trying to do their thing. And I'm like, dude, you didn't think to clean out the shower. You didn't think to like move stuff out of the way, like just at least make sure it's good looking or whatever. And uh, he's like, I know, I know. Just try to do your best. OK. And I'm like, OK. So this is what happened. It's really editing software back today, of course, was like a snail's pace crawl when you're starting to process it when you're finished. So I was like, all right, I'll let this process. I'm with my buddy. I'm like, hey, man, let's go ahead and run over to the store. We got to get I forget what we had to get. We had to get something. And uh, I go ahead and leave it. Well, at this time, uh, uh, when I moved back from college, this is right after I moved back from college. So this is like I am just have it there, you know, in my little office for a bedroom. My dad's there, you know, just helping him out. and there's a long story behind that and all that. So I was just going to skip that part. But anyways, here's the funny part. I go out. Apparently, the power company was going to shut down the power. And so my dad's like, oh, man, so it doesn't uh, screw up the computer and surge it. I'll go in there and turn it off. So he walks in there and sees this lesbian clip being edited and produced. And he's like, what's this? Oh, I get home. And he's like, hey, uh, I, the power company was coming in and they were going to turn off your, your clip got uh, didn't finish all the way with the editing. What was that you're editing? I'm like, oh, it's uh, this is the foreign company that's you know, they were trying to start it up and whatever. And uh, I'm just trying to make him some money, I guess. And uh, he's like, oh, OK, well, you know, well, let me know when you got more to do. 
And I was like, oh, man. Oh, what a way to walk into that. Because at first I was like, how's he going to react to this? I don't know. But he was pretty funny about it. But yeah. Um, yeah. So from then forward, uh, I just started getting more and more editing, which got me into they suck at it. Let me try it myself to. All right. Now we're going, going, going. Um, OK, so we talked about Killer Miller uh, in, in working with the writer. We, obviously, the actors, everything worked out smoothly. Did you ever have a thing where it's like, man, this is, you don't have to name names or anything or even the project, but is there a time where you're just like, dude, this is not going to work out. These people are nuts. I don't know what, if I should just cut and run or just finish it and just grin and bear it or what? Well, from the beginning, I love RJ. And if RJ, if you're listening, I know you've already learned, but um, he, so the writer's also producing and he was like, I really want to do it in two days. And I was very concerned about that uh, because I don't, I like taking my time with scenes. So like one day was just going to be the whole saloon scene, which is the ending. Um, and basically we were like, all right, two days, we're going to, we're going to do it, do it, do it. We can't do like more than five takes. And um, thank, thank God though, we had such an awesome crew. Like we had maybe probably, I say like 20 people on crew. So it was a decent sized crew for a basically no budget film uh, running around. Like one guy, his name was Tommy. He was the, he was a grip. I would be like, I think I need, and he was already running to get it. He was like <laughs> full out sprinting to get uh, a floppy or a light or light stand or whatever it was. He ran the whole day. He probably ran a 10 K by the end of the day of how much he ran. Um, so really it, it went better than I could have imagined it, um, which which is really great because it, it's very uh, demotivating when you work with a crew that's kind of um, agitated the whole time or rude or like it just doesn't seem like they're passionate. And I don't think there was a single person on set that wasn't passionate about the job they were doing. And even the cast, uh, the whole cast and all the extras were practically the executive producer's family. So it was like a big family gathering at points. So it was really cool. So like when we were on lunch, you know, just getting to talk to everybody was really cool and laid back. So there, there really wasn't any point where I was like, Oh man, this is like, um, so yeah. That's good. That's good. It's awesome, man. That's uh, awesome. All right. So are there any, well, first, before I forget, how many awards now does killer Miller have? It has 15, 15, which it's really like, that's so many because I've gone to never really submitting any of my films to anything. And this is like the first one being submitted and it's getting really good feedback from everywhere it goes. So every time I'm just shocked, I'm like, wait, what, how, how did it win? <laughs> like the whole time. So it's very humbling. And can people see this streamed? I mean, is it somewhere we can watch this deal? Uh, because at first, whether well, last time we talked to Dennis, we, it was either you went to the, the festival or, and you did, or otherwise you were not going to see it. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be like that. that. Cause I'm curious. <laughs> what was that? I said, I second Nick. Cause I'm curious now. I really want to yeah, see so it. Basically it's um, running festivals still for probably a few more months at least. Um, and then once it's done, running festivals we do plan to just put it on amazon prime um and just market at that and see how it does on there um so it will be on prime pretty soon uh we still haven't even had a chance to have a premiere yet so we're still figuring that so it's been running all these festivals and stuff and all the crews like hey when can we see it like we haven't even seen our own movie <laughs> I'm like i know I'm working on it. So how how's that work with getting on Amazon Prime? Is it just like, hey, we want to submit our stuff? And they're like, all right. <laughs> Pretty much it's like that. Uh, I know they're cracking down on the quality of their content because before it was almost almost like YouTube where you just put up anything. Um, so there's shorts, you know. The, it's a really good space for indie people, um, at least to start, you know, you know, maybe making a few bucks. Um, but yeah, they're really cracking down on, you know, the quality of the content. Cause they don't want it to be a YouTube where you got 
you know, meme videos and stuff, you know, circling around. So, you know. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, before we go on the next segments, what are you drinking, Ethan? <laughs> you know, wild. See, this is this is what I'm saying. He, he starts something, and then we go off in a weird direction. Um, so, I'm actually drinking one of the beers that we made. Oh, uh, the Diablo we, IPA. Yeah, we, we tried making beer recently, and it turned out pretty well. I'm kind of impressed with how it turned out. Um, that's what I'm drinking. It tastes pretty good. It carbonated really well. Um, it looks like a Coca-Cola when you pour it into the glass, really, which threw me really far off the first time I did it. I, I honestly had a moment where I was like, uh, this doesn't look like beer. Are we sure this is beer? Can we check this? I saw the but picture. It looked good. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's the kind of thing that I'm going to go out and like have to have from now on. Mm-hmm. But for a first attempt, not bad. Hi, Marks. So, so you made your own beer? Yeah. So Nick got me a, because he's a nice guy at heart, he really is. Nick got me a beer making kit for Father's Day. Yeah. I mean, I uh, edit my right friend's born. born. Yeah. I get people beer kegs. <laughs> he's just a, an amazing dude, you know? And so, yeah, he got me this thing. And the, like, the, um, the, uh, caveat was he'll he'd get me this thing but then it was like dance monkey dance and we had to make a video about it, <laughs> you know so it yeah, recently it like, came out of the conditioner and everything it was it's pretty good it's not bad at all and it was really yeah. easy like if you can if you can like heat up soup in the microwave you can pretty much make beer that's really cool yeah it's a lot it was a lot of fun uh so awesome what do you got so yeah, I got Dr. Pepper. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I know we talked a little bit before. I, you know, I haven't drank much since I'm only 22. I haven't had that much to drink, but recently uh, I've been drinking uh, as horse soldier bourbon, um, bourbon whiskey. And it, it is very like, I'm not a connoisseur or nothing. Like I don't mm. know a lot, but it is very smooth. And it has like a nice kick to it. Like they got some very like quality like drinks. Oh man, we are we are all about bourbon and all that stuff. We're kind of like Willy Wonka's factory. He's like, oh, (laughs) come on to the boat with us, and we'll show you so many things. Yeah, yeah. I am. I I went to. Well, oh sorry. I went to their uh, bourbon. It was like a fundraiser event for this monument in St. Pete. It's a nine eleven monument mm-hmm. and they had a fundraiser bourbon tasting event and that's kind of how i got hooked on them they they were like here try this and that and that and i was like oh oh my god and it was actually really good and that was the first time i had ever even had bourbon whiskey so, i tell you what so. you should check out um san Seb- i know it's not whiskey but check out san sebastian over in uh st augustine when you get a chance uh-huh. at winery, it's phenomenal wine. If you want to stick on the bourbon kick, check out uh, Weigel over in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You find your way up there. Uh, very, very good. Very, very good. Okay. Although they're hipster with their labels. I don't understand why. Because when I first went to them years yeah. back, it was like, it wasn't that hipstery. And then I saw Joe Bob Briggs on uh, The Last Drive In. And I was like, why is he calling it hipster beer? I don't get Or a hipster uh, whiskey. I don't get it. And I looked at their labels. I'm like, oh, they went hipster. So. Funny. <laughs> Well, and yeah. and I am a bourbon guy, and I'll tell you, you're doing just fine. That like that's a real good, solid choice that you're drinking. Um, you know, you you could have done way worse, and you've started out on a really good note. So, congratulations, yeah. you have good taste. Yeah, you didn't go, Can't go any higher now. Get uh, didn't go to like uh, the school of Jim Beam and Hard Knocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, those cowboy whiskeys. So, uh, like Ethan, I ended up getting uh, using my own beer. Um, it's Canadian Blonde, same company, Mister Beer. I actually threw two more in the keg uh, yesterday. Uh, so I have a lager going. I have a um, Hefeweizen going. The only reason why I haven't done the Oktoberfest yet, Ethan, because I know you were kind of curious about that with the craft to brew uh, version, is that I saw the instructions and it literally is like, okay, now for an hour, have it do this, and I'm like, what? I don't have an hour, so. <laughs> Yeah, you can't rush art. Or yeah, beer. It, well, that's the thing. It's like I knew how to work the other one, where I don't even have to look at the instructions. Versus, like, all right, this is a lot of instructing. And I told Samantha, I'm like, you're gonna have to read it to me because I know I'm gonna miss something if you if I do it. So she'll like read them out and be like, all right, I'm doing this. But um, all right. So speaking of of 
you know, you were talking about whiskey tastings and everything else. We're looking at um, the advent of more alcohol on delivery. What is going to happen? And this is obviously advent from uh, COVID and COVID is super strong, especially in Florida, as you you know, know. Uh, what what are we going to do to have our bars survive? How are they going to adapt? What's going to be the difference? Can you order cocktails? Is it even worth it? And that's the kind of crux. Like if you're sitting at home, you're like, well, all right, I don't want to go to a bar because I don't want to get sick. At the same token, uh, I love their cocktails. Is it worth it or should I just make my own? Which with our podcast and with what we do, we constantly tell people I do it at home. So now I'm kind of fearful that we're having a situation where we're killing off the bar, which we don't want because we also want to the whole basis of the the drunken trail is a conversation at the bar that you can listen to uh maybe you just at home and yep. uh so what, what do you guys think so i think what you guys are doing is something bars should offer they, they should offer their own kits or you know the same supplies that they use for their beers and then i don't they may you know this is kind of how like how-to videos work for businesses when they put out how-to videos they're not actually helping their clients learn to do it themselves. They're helping their clients realize, oh, the service that we provide is a lot more worth your money than your time trying to figure out how to do it. So like, I'm not saying the beer that you guys made is bad, but you may realize, oh, it, it, it would just be nice to go to a, you know, a bar that has quality beer and just pay the whatever it is, you know, six bucks or whatever. Um, just to get it from there. Agreed. And I, I think the thing that we need to remember about restaurants in general and bars in particular is that while they are selling food and beverages, what they're really selling for people is an experience and like a feeling. For sure. Right? Like, so so what we all want when we go out to eat or when we go to a bar isn't necessarily the food, even though that's kind of the point. What we want yeah. is the feeling of being out with friends and like, you know, being someplace cool and doing some cool stuff. We're looking for that experience. The food is secondary to creating that experience. So I do think there will always be a place for bars, but I think they're going to have to innovate a little bit, you know, to find a way to keep on paying their staff so that they don't lose anybody during the times that they have to close, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're speak- speaking to the experience deal. Yeah. Those bars actually have a theme or they do uh, multiple themes or they just do a rotating theme. Those no, are it's not e- so it's not even about themes. It's more about just the, the experience of, you know, being out, you know, and, and doing something. True. But it, what I'm afraid of is that you have these these bars that would close up and then it's just going to be somebody else. It's not going to be the bar you knew. So, for example, Key West, they don't change any uh, the one bar. Uh, Murphy's, I want to say it's the Irish bar there. Uh, I love it. Awesome. But with the advent of like the the tourist trade slamming down and uh, bars getting hit really bad, and then you have all this other stuff that's going on, how are they going to survive without being replaced? There's going to be another bar there if they get shut down. Is but how do you preserve your favorite one that's out there? That's the that's the fear in me because there's one that I've been dying to visit, dying to visit. But they've had to go on limited hours. They've had to adjust accordingly. They were shut down. They even admitted like, hey, we almost went completely out. And that was Vault uh, 5421 in Orlando, a uh, kind of a nerdy video game-esque bar. Uh, bar. And uh, it's something I really want to check out, speaking of experiences. And it's even though it is a heavily themed bar, it's one of those things where it's like, well, who's going to replace it? Is it going to be just a, a basic bar or is it going to be the same thing? You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things where like you could lose your favorite spot and having to find another place all over again. And the friends that you want to go with, because they might be like, well, I don't like that one. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's things that have been kind of rolling around in my mind, because after surviving the first hit, and now we're getting the second hit, nope. and, and there's no relief that I could see that anybody's given. Not even in loans. It's just like, nah. You just, you know, you are what you are, and, and if you survive, great. If not, you're dead. So you were talking about Key West, that bar. Um, Murphy's, you said? I think it was Murphy's. Yeah, I can't. I was was going (laughs) two weeks ago and, you know, went to Sloppy Joe's and everything there is to do in Key West. And it did not look like Key West was slowing down one bit. Like it was, I I couldn't, we couldn't even find a table at Sloppy Joe's when we tried to eat there. But 
I think a lot of COVID and the areas, yes, it's international and it's uh, a global pandemic, but I think different geographical areas are affected a lot worse than some others. Like Key West right now seems to be doing just fine. Whereas the place in Orlando you're talking about is being shut down. Like it, it's really hard to figure out why certain places go and some don't. Uh, yeah. Like in, in they're they're still alive now, but they were talking about how they first almost got hit and they were out and now they're okay. Yeah. Uh, just a correction. It's not Murphy's it's Irish. And this is way off Irish Kevin's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cause I was like that was close enough. Irish bar in, I don't care about the name I always go to. Cause I love it. And then I'm like, Oh, it's Kevin's. All right. Irish Kevin's. <laughs> I never said I went there sober or came out sober. <laughs> so. And this is why it's called the drunken trail. Yeah. yeah I will go. say the, the best part about going to the keys is uh, when you're going through, what's that one street? I can't, Oh, my brain's not working. But anyway, uh, the call outs, for for some of the uh, more inclusive bars, I, I only say inclusive because they don't care if you're straight or gay or whatever. But you can tell like it, they service their clientele is primarily LGBTQ, but yeah. they'll be like, hey, come on over. So uh, I remember one time we were walking through and uh, they there was a um, I want to say was it a transvestite or was it just anyways, it was a guy in yeah. drag pretty much. And he was hilarious. Yeah. So he called it the girls like, hey, we got this on the shots. And he saw me and my buddy following him. He's like, we got drink shots. that will make your balls drop. And I'm like, I want to go in that bar. That guy's hilarious. We should go. And then the girls were like, no, we got to do this. I'm like, who cares? It's just like they kept on telling us, well, it's noon. And I'm like, I don't care if it's noon. That guy's hilarious. We should go in there. <laughs> uh, we're on vacation. Time doesn't matter on yeah. vacation. I mean, there's a thing called mimosas. We drink those in the morning. We don't think twice. But yet, if you drink whiskey, you're drunk. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only if people know about it like That's if true. nobody knows about it then you're just a connoisseur the dog doesn't brag about it so <laughs> he just stares at you and wonders why you haven't given him kibble uh <laughs> folks this is our disclaimer please drink responsibly yeah <laughs> just gonna put out that disclaimer right now responsibly drown uh so <laughs> officer i swear to drunk i'm not god <laughs> <laughs> very proud of myself right now i just want you both to know yeah because it's yeah, hard to pull that joke out and do it right uh, uh, <sighs> but yeah so you know i just things i worry about and, and yeah it might be the old man shaking his fist like going don't shut down my shit but it, it's true i don't want my stuff gone because some asshole didn't know how to best you know approach it and yeah. uh it, and that's where it comes down to you kind of know how i feel now uh so <laughs> Uh, not that I'm alone in that, at least in Miami, Dave, Mark, wait, Monroe, uh, Volusia, Orange, <laughs> all the popular counties, uh, yep. Leon, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't live in those. Uh, so anyways, uh, all right. So going more on towards that of things like, how is this going to survive the future of the movie distribution industry? We knew this was kind of coming already, but COVID really put it into turbo, overdrive uh it I, in my opinion it helps out indie filmmakers because it breaks the back of of distribution although places like netflix still still have a traditional litmus versus someone like amazon uh how how have you seen any of this move forward as far as distribution where do you see the uh tea leaves as it were so like what you were saying you know the, the theaters have been going downhill for years. It's not something we didn't know was coming, even though they're still alive. And they tried with, uh, you know, offering food that for full foods and bar service while you're watching your movies and stuff. The, you know, it's kind of a gimmick. Um, like, um, so anyways, it's, it's like you said, it's really good for indie filmmakers because there's not a lot of content that Hollywood's producing. Uh, and from personal experience, I won't, you know, I can't say names. Uh, we're working on a feature film right now called dismiss. It's a military movie. Um, and we were talking, we, we were like, we're going to do a concept film and we're going to submit it to festivals and try to get it picked up or something, you know, 
try that route first and just show it to investors. Um, and we were talking to a distributor. Our executive producer was talking to a distributor in Vegas and he was saying, why are you making a short film again? And we're like, well, to show it to investors and stuff. And he's like, well, right now, from my point of view, I don't have a lot of content to work with. You know, I don't have a lot of movies to distribute as what I did. And he's like, just fund the movie yourself, get it made right. And, you know, I'll pitch it to this streaming service, this streaming service and so on. And we're like, okay, we're going to make, we, we already had plans of making it a feature, but we were like, all right, now we're going to make it now, you know, instead of a year later. Um, so it, it's, I think there's more opportunity, but it's so weird right now because I don't even think Scorsese or uh, the Russo brothers or whoever is the big time guys right now, I don't even think they know the direction of distribution of the film industry because COVID really put a weird spot where movies were real, uh, families were realizing, oh, we can pay $20, $30 and get this movie on opening night of the film for some, you know, some, some movies, some movies only have a small window where it's like, we're in theaters for a week and then you can watch it on HBO max or wherever this week. And it's like the theaters right now don't really have the, the competitive edge, I guess, mm -hmm. so to say, to have that audience come they, like their time, that they can have people come and only watch the movie at their theater has gotten cut in half mm -hmm. compared to it was out for weeks and weeks and, you know, sometimes months. Now it's, you know, it's only here for a week maybe. And then you can get it on HBO max for free. You know, I remember those days uh, of VHS, uh, VHS releases and waiting. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like, yeah. Oh my God, you're so old. That's, yeah, and like, and it was, it was, it was like you could, you could be waiting like a year before you saw it. Yeah, and oh uh, yeah, it was always at least a year. Yeah, and, and uh, for one one example is uh, a Pretty Woman was running forever. If it was making money, it would not hit home release at all until it wasn't making money. Which again, yeah. that's the whole point. That I remember a veteran actor saying the best advice you can give to another actor: don't jump ship until uh, you get canceled. Use all the money you can get because you can't just think that you're going to get this other gig and you jumped just right the t at the right time. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, what's interesting is is I'm even seeing like A24 releases that were very much about uh, releasing in the theater, which they did with The Green Knight. But then yep. they kind of did a half step. At first, it was just like, hey, we're going to give a one-day release. I'm like, oh, cool. I was trying to see The Green Knight uh, locally in a theater to kind of give support to it. Because even though they're big budget, they're still kind of indie. And they give some really crazy ideas, uh, some merit. And then all of a sudden, it went from, yeah, you can you can buy it now. Screw it. They just yeah, gave up. I was right. like, wow, dude, that's scary. Yeah. That is super because they scary. they can't hold out any longer. They can't. Yeah. Yeah. So and, well, there was another thing too that uh, that was brought up to that. Um, you have the A twenty four release, and then uh, shoot, there was something else about it that uh, that was interesting. <sighs> I can't remember now. Oh well, it'll come to me hopefully. Uh, what What do you think, Ethan? What do you think it's going to take to? I mean the the whole like the whole foundation of our economy, and not just among movies, but in everything is innovate or die right yeah yeah so like the reason that theaters made money was because it was the only way that you could see a new release yeah and so what's happened now and like COVID is partially responsible for this but this has been something that's been going on since like netflix became viable so like mm -hmm. it used to be you know netflix you'd sign up and like they'd mail you a dvd and that's really kind of the same thing as like a slow blockbuster like a really slow blockbuster. Yeah. But now, you know, when you can stream, as soon as they made streaming practical, theaters were numbered. Like there's no way that they can yeah. compete against that because I'll, you know, speaking as a dad of three kids, going to the movie theater sucks. Yep. 
like, <laughs> you know, dragging kids into the movie theater and trying to like think about the idea of paying 12 bucks for like popcorn and shit. That sucks. Oh, I remember one guy no. walked out and he's like, he paid a hundred dollars flat and he's like, why the hell am I paying? And he just yelled. He's like, why am I paying a hundred dollars? And he walked into exactly. the theater. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. And so like a lot of people, when, when streaming became viable, a lot of people realized it may, it's a whole lot more fun. Like we were talking a minute ago about, you know, buying the experience that that's what you're after. A lot of people realize that the experience that they're buying by buying something on Netflix and streaming it at home, or even like going through Disney plus or something like that is way better than going to the theater. And then COVID happened. And it was like, and not only is the experience of watching it at home way better, but like, I might get a disease if I go to the theater. I'll you give know? you, I'll give you one for that. Um, how about the small resurgence of drive-ins, which are really, oh, yeah. yeah no. the, like the whole idea is a movie kind of on your own terms. You know, and so I, I actually think that you're going to see streaming get way bigger. I actually think this is going to be better for ultimately people that make movies because, you know, which gives you more exposure to people's wallets, like exclusively licensing your film to a theater where only people can see only people who pay them for certain periods of time can watch it or making it like available at a fee to way more people at once. Who can watch so, it anytime they want to, you know? Yeah. So here's my thing. You, you know, if the movie theaters are now dead, let's say, you know, they're not really, they're more of like the video arcade where it's kind of like only, a, you know, it's more of like memorabilia. Um, a lot of money is made in the box office and that, that a lot of people that have a career in movies make their money there. Right. And if, you know, say Netflix, how it works is you make a movie, you know, sometimes it works this way. You make a movie, you fund it yourself, go to them, and they'll offer you a certain amount of money to put it on their streaming service. And usually it's enough to cover your budget. And sometimes it's not even enough to cover your budget. So right. these people, it's making the the career side of making movies a lot harder to sustain. If you, you know, if you're a filmmaker, yeah. so how are you going to sustain that career? And it's already hard enough as it is to sustain it with, well, before COVID, it was already hard enough as it was like you have big uh, movie uh, producers like uh, David Fincher. He's shooting commercials when he's not shooting movies because you, you can't make enough money just doing a movie because you're only getting paid for the shoot dates most of the time or the box office. So they, they've basically done to you guys what a certain company that starts with wall and ends with Mart <laughs> has done to like most of the rest of the economy, you know, um, nope. that, that is the bad side of this. Like on the, on the one hand, from a consumer's perspective, this is awesome yeah. from a filmmaker's Easy. perspective, way less awesome. Yep. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword because it's like, you know, at the same token, uh, when you start to work on indie uh, films or features or whatnot, it's like, yay, I can now get people to see it and be appreciated. Downside, doesn't mean you're going to make anything of it, even if it's a great film and it's a hit. Yep. Uh, and then you have what uh, Eli Roth was talking about on The Last Drive-In with uh, Joe Bob Briggs, that it's getting so hard to get even any IP through because some dude as, as Roth put it uh, can, in Burbank can say, I don't like this. It's dead. Even though everybody else could like it, one person can kill it. Yeah. And uh, that happened to first man. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't show um, the guy that landed on the moon, the flag and everything. Armstrong, I think. Uh huh they didn't show an actual shot of him. And one person said, they didn't show him. This movie's terrible. Nobody went to see it. Half the people I talked to don't even know that, that was a film that was made. Like, but <laughs> it was probably the most beautifully shot movie I've ever seen. Really? In, in the 2010s. Oh, it, okay. it was so, What's it was so good. What, what was that? I was going to say, well, I was, at first I was like, really? And they said, well, 2010 I was like, Oh, okay. Well, like, no, there's some good stuff. Yeah. That's saying something. That's still saying something. No, it, it was good. The, the film stock that they used was very uh, creative and 
thoughtful behind why they use specific film stocks and they use like 16 mil for some of the space stuff and it really looked like it was shot in that time when they we were first sending people to the moon in the 60s i believe and they used um other film stock back on earth um that was more cinematic in the homes of people who it was just there's so much thought and um passion in the the crew and everything they did on that uh it's a very underrated movie but it like what you're saying one person could say one thing and it just tanks yeah it's it just the weirdest thing it's it um uh, and they won't even sell or anything else that's why you know and the fact that it's hitting horror films uh thank god mm. for shutter existing because there's some stuff where i'm like man yeah that movie sucked but there's some really good parts in it but i for really sure. wanted to see it for that idea where i was like i'll take that later and remember that this was a yep. good idea that rest of the part was a bad idea take yep. risks even hulu which is you know obviously disney owned has uh their own little horror core stuff in it and like it's this weird background resurgence of horror but it's almost like nobody wants to admit it like hey we're all into this oh really <laughs> <laughs> yeah which of course is my forte like i've had this uh a back pocket feature that i want to do and i'm like okay shutter you're my only one if i could just yeah if I could just get yeah. this out here, I'll be happy. Maybe it'll be hey, featured on Joe Bob Riggs, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, going back to uh, the drive-in thing, do you think the mm-hmm. resurgence is a fad, or it might actually grow? Because it is cheap. That's a tough one, because I I was, I was going, I live in Seminole, which is like Pinellas County in the middle of the state. I was with all of my friends during COVID, we were going to Lakeland drive-in, which is like an hour, hour 10 drive. Is that the like, Silver Moon one? Yes. That, I went to awful. that one, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's so cool because it's like 50s themed and it's yeah. been there for a while. Um, we were going to see like every movie, like at least once a week. You know, that's a lot of driving just to see a movie or sometimes a double feature. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know. Like, I haven't even thought of that. Like it, I know for a time, especially when we were on lockdown, that was like the only way you could see a movie is because you're all in your cars, mm-hmm. you know, it's separated kind of isolated and stuff. But I mean, I think it'll, it gave it the boost that needed to stay relevant and stay alive. Like we were talking about, you know, businesses staying alive and stuff. Um, I don't know if it was a fad because drive-ins were always cool. They've gotten pop. They were popular back in the fifties and they kind of slowly went down and then they kind of were cool again because, you know, people were doing it out of memorabilia and then COVID happened. So it's kind of like a up and down roller coaster with drive-in movies. I tell you that that place was just amazing. And we ended my wife and I ended up going to see uh, nightmare on Elm street follow or, and then uh, before that was the lost boys as a double feature. So and, cool. And yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, I not only do I get to see the films of yesteryear, but I'm seeing it on there. And the funny thing is, uh, this is completely out of the blue. I thought Nightmare on Elm Street had a hell of a lot more nudity in it. I don't know why. And I'm sitting there like, wow, this thing is pretty tame compared to any other horror film I've ever seen. Like, like, it's like, yeah, you're getting Freddy sitting there going, I got you, bitch. And then just stabbing with some like finger knives. But other than that, it's uh, this could be yeah. PG-13 if we took out some scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I got to see uh was it Back to the Future, oh nice Christine, a lot of the classics in the past year. And it was so cool because you're in that atmosphere and environment. And like uh you were saying, like it's about the experience and stuff, and that there is no greater experience seeing a movie from you know the eighties in this drive-in theater i don't i don't know it's yeah very cool. i'm crossing fingers they show ghostbusters again um i missed it yeah. last time so i'm like come yeah. on but um all right ethan have you gone to a drive-in i've actually never been to a drive-in oh, um, what? believe it or not there are not that many up here so i'm in virginia there are not that many up here oh there's, there's a like, good one up there i forget where it is i used to live in virginia i lived in richmond okay um there was one i can't even remember where it was but it was really cool. It was basically, it was almost on top of a mountain. And last time I went there, there was like, because you're so high up, there was a storm behind the screen. 
and there was like balls of lightning going across while this epic i can't remember the movie but it just added to the movie but it, it was really cool there are a couple around i think there's one about yeah. an hour away from me it would be about They're an hour slow drive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so during covid we were actually talking about going to one and it kind of got to the point where we were talking about it and then you know we were like you know what it's also like august and it's almost 100 degrees oh, outside yeah. Yeah. and like we're all weak virginians we're not used to like florida style temperatures uh, like yeah. you guys are so we were kind of like you know what I'm not sure I want to sit in an open field in a car with like the windows down and a hundred degrees of temperature. Yeah. Even if it involves watching a movie. (laughs) Now I, okay. You brought up a thing about the Florida temperature. I'm going to roll it right back to killer Miller. I, we filmed at the same location you guys did in parish, Florida. Holy hell. First of all, I was first thing I thought of was why were you not filming a horror film here? And just saying some kids like walked through and, and came to the wrong ghost town or whatever. Yeah. And uh, fighting off wasps. I don't know. And here's the other thing I got to ask you. Did you film in the winter or the summer? Because we're filming, obviously, in the summer. We did our first shoot day last Saturday, and I was drenched in sweat. We, I I feel like Killer Miller was almost like the perfect shoot because we shot in March, I think. March, okay. March. And we, we were all in jeans and jackets. Oh, like, it, it was... At the point where, like, in the morning, it was pretty chilly. Uh-huh. And during the day, like, I was wearing jeans and a T-shirt, and I was fine. I didn't even sweat that much. Oh. Like, it was perfect weather. And it was kind of overcast, so, like, the, that place is really tricky with lighting and show what you're showing and not showing. So, with the overcast helped us for what we were trying to do with our look. Honestly, so, goodness, they should really do a school over there to show you, like, okay, how can you make this shot look bigger than it really is? So I'm yeah. like doing trickery, like, hey, you know, a, a cinematographer or a, 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 a cinephile will understand that this shot was made in such a way that you see this little piece, and then that piece is again repeating, but it's supposed to be like they're not actually as far as they really are. The building is not as yeah. big as it really is. But I'm like, how many people are going to see that? So we're going to do it in two different, three different angles. And just hope for the best. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, the other thing is, too, it just rained like crazy. And I was getting stuck in mud. We had our stunt yep. uh, woman fall oh, yeah. directly into a rut and just goosh. And yep. I'm feeling backwards. I have the guy guiding me behind so I don't fall. And I'm like, do, 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 do with my shoulder rig. And then all of a sudden, goosh. I'm like, oh, please say it's not my guy. And I turn around. And it's a stunt woman. I'm like, I didn't even know she was there. And at the same token, she was uh, small enough to get into the water of that rut in the mud. And yeah. she was like, oh, I'm totally cool. And she asked our BTS photographer, did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, you're great it's pretty swampy. Yeah. For sure. Well, we're, what were you filming back there? I'm curious. So we have uh, R.A. Miller is doing Soliger. Sol- Soliger. Uh, it's a, a kind of a Western Obviously, because, you know, Western stuff. Yeah, obviously. And uh, also kind of uh, cyber punky kind of thing. So it's going to look very Western, but then all of a sudden you're going to see some high tech stuff. So uh, superimposing uh, a video call. So it comes up in the guy's eye. And yeah. it's just quick, easy vignette, the, uh, su- uh, the superimposed thing. So it looks like it's coming up the right way with a little yeah. uh, fake, uh, v- you know, VCR lines and all that stuff. Yeah. Scan lines. Um so I was like, yeah, we'll do that. And then he'll be taking the call. I'll just give him the camera rig and say, okay, look like you would actually turn your head and then I'll do the rest. But yeah, so far so good. Uh, the BN, the black magic's doing great. It's not overheating. Which no, was a concern, good. especially with the high, high heat, high, high humidity. Work yeah. like a champ. Uh, external battery, totally fine. Uh, Sennheiser, I, I was trying to get the Rode NTG... I want to say six or three, whichever one's the better one. I can't remember because mm-hmm. they always just go by numbers. Yeah. I want to say six, but anyway, uh, kept on losing the bid, but I got it a Sennheiser MKE 600, which is battery operated, but you can phantom power it. But my phantom power kept on overpowering it. And I was trying and I dropped it down. It still was, you could still hear the, you know, to it. Oh, man. So I was like, all right, we're just going to leave it in a blimp and switch out the battery as need be. And yeah. I remember the review was like, hey, this thing eats it like chiclets. <laughs> so, yeah, sure enough, we forgot to turn it off and boom, it was dead. I'm like, all right, all right. So, 
but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. We have little fight scenes and and um, day shoot uh, number. We should have finished last weekend, but we're actually only just started because of the storm. We didn't know it was going to be veering off. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to finish up September fourth, and I'll have it edited and all that jazz. I'll uh, uh, ask Miller because it's his uh, baby, but I'll see if I can send you a little sneak peek and uh, yeah, basically just sounds like film. a fun project. Yeah, it is fun. I, it turned out better than I thought so far. Um, I was kind of worried because anytime you have Western set, Western people, and then a tinge of technology to make it seem yeah. futuristic, I'm like, uh-oh. So I joked yeah. and said, hey, this is not too distant future of Texas because of their power grid. <laughs> yeah. That was the joke anyway. For sure. So normally I'm just going to say that I would make fun of you guys for talking about winter in Florida. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to do that because – I was actually in Florida once when it got down into the thirties and ended up yeah. wearing a puffy jacket and jeans in Florida. So I, I really can't make fun of you too much. Oh, man, the humidity when it, when it gets cold here, it's cold. Like, yeah, that's a different cold. Yeah. It was like a wet cold too, yeah. which was yeah. random. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, uh, I've been in snow in Pittsburgh and I can wear pretty light stuff until it dips below 40 here. You're hitting 45 degrees, and because that humidity is still high, it sticks to you. While as yeah. in Pittsburgh, you just have to wait for the wind to not cut through the you know whatever you're wearing. But um, man, yeah, that's the only thing. I, I just can't. I can't stand it. I just uh, cannot stand yeah. Florida. And the fact is, it turns into Australia in your backyard in no time flat. I had a Diamondback Rattler on Thursday. Yeah. I uh, strained my MCL. Because I threw a four by four to pin it because it was so huge that even with a shovel, I was within strike distance. So I'm like Steve Irwin or Crocodile Dundee, but look like Homer Simpson. <laughs> That's a great visual in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm picturing that now. Thank you. Thank oh. you. And then the really bad part is a slow aggravation of the MCL too. So it was like, okay, I feel funny in my knee. And then I, I do, I teach PE by the way, Austin on the, on as my day job. And so yeah. I did that and, and then uh, did the shoot getting stuck in mud and everything else. And all of a sudden Sunday or actually that Saturday evening, it was really starting to hurt. Sunday is hurting bad. Now it's like insane. Like as soon as I get up and I get off of this thing, I'm just probably gonna be like, ah, you know, it's just standing up. But, um, yeah, man, it's oh. and then during the summer I had a coral snake on top of that, and I was wearing flip flops just to like mowing the grass. Next thing, here, look, one of the deadliest snakes ever. All right, cool. <laughs> wow, what are you tilting your head? Coral snake is dying okay, back in 30 okay. minutes. No, no, 30 minutes, no, no. you're dead. <laughs> Do not come at me with my area of specialty, which is wilderness medicine. Do not come at me like yes, this. Yes, I'm gonna throw the <laughs> coral snake. It's it's one of the it's one of the worst. They've in the got States. they've got strong venom but they have to chew on you to get it into you so true, you know true but still it can happen no and they get they get a 1.5 out of five what about the diamondback rattler i had to they get with? a three out of what three five no yes. out of in, in the north american state or yes. north american continent yes what's worse than an eastern diamondback just about any australian snake i, I said north america <laughs> To be fair, they are one of the more venomous ones in North America, but what we have is like the junior varsity of venomous snakes in terms of the rest of the world. But he's a starter. <laughs> the fact remains that most adults who get bit by a diamondback rattlesnake are not going to die. Okay, I live in Florida. I don't care. The <laughs> fact remains that most adults that get bit by a diamondback rattlesnake are probably not going to die. I remember, there's probably, you know, what, what are the odds, like, of our old dice that, one, I have a competent person that brings me to the right hospital with the Okay, so I'll give, you a, I'll give you a certain amount of understanding for living in Florida. Thank you. But at the same time, most adults that get bit by a diamondback rattlesnake are not going to die. You know, we need to have a test subject that we don't like to get bit so we can see who wins and we'll just put bets. You're, you're under, you're in far more danger from the crazed DeSantis supporters with a two by four than you are from a diamondback rattlesnake. Oh, brother, let me tell you, I have to tell you what the school board meeting was like the last one I went to, and I got one tomorrow. And uh, I'm also the union president here uh, gotcha. <laughs> for teachers. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the greatest came out. Uh, I don't want to put it on the podcast because it's getting more popular with the people around here. Um, so I'm like, uh, like someone stopped. Like one of my colleagues stopped me that I went to high school with. She's yeah. like, oh, you got that podcast, man. You got to let me know about them. Like, who told you about it? 
like who like this is not cool man like i need to know like who told you so like she's really cool but if it's starting to go spread without mine saying so which is nice but also all right what else am i going to deal with but yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I'll over drinks later i will tell you about all that craziness that i went through <laughs> oh man all right so uh any future projects that you got going on uh right now the biggest thing i've been working on when i'm not shooting is uh our feature film which is a military film called dismissed okay. um, and what i can tell you about it right now is you know we've all seen the ptsd films or the war films like this film is going to be more similar to i would say uh full metal jacket where it's it's not about the war it's not about the ptsd it's actually about the separation anxiety from you know boot camp that's why i mean full metal jacket a lot of it takes place in boot camp um but separation anxiety is something that a lot of people don't even know about. Like when our executive producer approached me, he was like, yeah, veteran. he was a veteran himself. It's kind of inspired by his story. Um, separation anxiety happens in a lot of veterans because they're basically broken down from their civilian mindset to be brought up as a soldier. And then God forbid you get, you know, injured and you can't deploy. You're just like, all right, you know, good luck out there. You know, it has gotten better, but, you know, back, and it takes place during 9-11, so it's a period piece. Back during that time, there was no, like, transition, and separation anxiety was a very big um, thing that veterans struggled with, and they still do today. Um, so it, that's kind of what we're working on. It, you know, it's a movie for a good cause, and I think it has a really unique story that hasn't been told yet, so... Very excited about that. That is extremely unique. I, you know, of all the veterans things, because my dad was a Vietnam veteran and, uh, and going to Bay Pines and seeing what those guys went through. Uh, it's, and by the way, guys, Bay Pines is in the Tampa area. It's their veterans hospital. Very, very big hospital. It services a lot of veterans. Uh, yeah. So seeing the things that I've seen just talking or viewing what happens to those guys, uh, that is the separation and anxiety of somebody like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about it. Like that is a very unique deal because not everybody comes in like, okay, what if the person, the soldier, uh, that they're making here, uh, comes from a background where the family isn't great. And finally they get what feels to be a family in the military and then cut all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's the other thing too. Yeah. It's not like they don't really go back to anything. That's all they knew. Yeah. And and our we're kind of working this in our marketing message and everything is the number twenty two, which is how many veterans take their own lives every day. So our real goal, like yes, we love making movies, we love telling stories. Our real goal is to spread awareness about the amount of veterans that are taking their own lives, and also not a lot of the deaths don't even occur in combat you know in in training that's where 70 percent during afghanistan when we were there 70 percent of the deaths of soldiers happened in training not not over in afghanistan which you know the news isn't going to report that you know because we always want to talk about the heroes over there that that like is way more exciting and they are heroes you know and they are risking their lives over there but you know and, and it's kind of, this is kind of on the other subplot of the story is this guy that we follow in the story gets dismissed from civilians as well because he didn't deploy. You know, they act like his service didn't count, you know, even though he was, he would do anything to get back over there with his brothers who did deploy. So that's kind of what we're working on. It's very, been a very interesting script process because it is inspired. So it's kind of like, what do we take that is true and what's not and you know yeah work balancing that out so it's yeah. very happy and blessed to be on this project so well, it's awesome i gotta say thank you so much uh we got to end the show uh yeah, yeah. and i'm glad we can talk about uh, killer miller and dismissed i'm excited for both 
Um, after your uh, heartfelt uh, uh, pitch about dismissed, I'm like, man, if I was a distributor, I'd be like, sold. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> awesome having you on. We'd love to have you again, just to kind of uh, plug yeah. in some more of your new stuff. Uh, Thank you so much. Quite Appreciate welcome. It. It's been awesome. And um, Ethan, do you have any parting words before we head on out? Well, okay. So, so like Austin, how can some of the people that listen to us? you know, sort of get in touch with you or follow you for updates and sort of see what you're doing. Yeah. You can follow me or my production company is mainly where I post the projects is Spicer Productions. You know, if you look up that on Instagram or Facebook or Google, you'll find um, every way you can contact me or reach out to me, you know, out there. So awesome. Yeah. We, we want our people to be able to find you so they can keep up to date with what you're doing and all that stuff. Do you have an so, OnlyFans yeah, by chance? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's starting to get legitimate, apparently. I don't know. That's a weird business model change, but, you know, we'll see how it goes yeah. with them. Uh, you can also follow us at The Real Nick Bros for my personal Twitter. Ethan, you got? Uh, I am at NRP Zookie with an IE on the end. And Ethan Amell does cocktails? That's right. We'll be putting out a new instructional video uh, in a couple days. It's um, everything you ever wanted to, or like a whole bunch of recipes using Jack Daniels. So oh, if you're looking nice. for just really simple, easy cocktails where you don't have all that many ingredients, but you really want to impress your friends with what you can do, uh, we've got four different drinks coming out in this next video, and we do it in all like 12 minutes. So you can it tells you how easy they are. You can also find them on YouTube under uh, The Drunken Trail. All of our videos are there, including Ethan and Mel does cocktails. The Crawl also has a new video up, um, albeit uh, good sound quality, video quality is off the phone. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that is uh, how to make beer soap, if anybody is ever interested, with links provided on where to uh, purchase said items to do so, as well as the recipe itself that's listed below in the uh, description. You can follow Drunken Trail at The Drunken Trail on Facebook and at Drunken Trail on Twitter. You can also go ahead and find us at DrunkenTrail.com, where we will update you on all sorts of different things, including when we can finally stream Killer Miller. And, uh, you know, I really can't wait. I think when you said months, I was like, come on. <laughs> I can't wait either. Oh, it's going to be great. You know, we should try to see if we can rent out a uh, drive-in. There we go. Um, uh, yeah, just like sure. show it as a, a a promo short before its features. But uh, other than that, I think that'll close us out. Unless I forgot anything, you think, uh, Ethan? You no? Okay, we're good. I'm glad you caught me on the getting. Make sure we got his his social stuff up there. As always, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Drunken Trail Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite digital streaming service. Follow us on Facebook at The Drunken Trail, Twitter at Drunken Trail, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.